0: I'm going to read 3 John to us before Lloyd comes. And it says this, the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on away in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans, We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend do not imitate what is evil but what is good anyone who does what is good is from god anyone who does what is evil has not seen god demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself we also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true i have much to write but i don't want to do so with pen and ink i hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings, greet the friends there by name. Good morning, I'm Lloyd. For those
1: who haven't seen me up here very often lately, and I'm delighted to be in team with Meron. I'm Meron's husband. And uh, we've been a team for quite a while. I remember 19 years ago when I first retired, one of the things I said was, I'm not retiring because I don't like team. I'm requiring because I am team-oriented, and uh, family and uh, marriage is important to me. And uh, that actually played out later. Someone gave me a job because I said that. But um, last week, uh, John uh, Trent was here, and he walked us through the last chapter of John's Gospel, John 21. And that chapter has a wonderful. Passage describing a breakfast by the Sea of Galilee, and in, at that breakfast, Jesus actually affirms Peter three times, asking him if he loves him, and commissions him to feed his followers. And uh, I love that passage. I would have loved to have been there to experience that event. and at the conclusion Trent challenged us to find out what God wants us to do individually and to seek and strive to do that in God's strength. I trust that this week you have had some opportunity to actually think about that and actually pursue that challenge. In contrast, um, today's passage through John, is uh, about something which there is no doubt about, whether it is for you to do or for me to do, it is something for all of us to do, and there's no simple uh, need to actually go and find out what it is. It's clear, it's clearly part of God's will for you and me, and it's clearly for all of us. Does anyone know what's on the screen? Apart from the fact that it's a question mark and an exclamation mark. It is purported to be the shortest effective two-way written communication that ever was. It is between the author of Les Miserables, Victor Hugo, and his publisher, and it was in 1862. As an odd aside, our granddaughter is currently at the theatre in Washington watching Les Miserables. That's an odd coincidence. But the question mark was by Victor Hugo. He was on holidays and he wanted to know how his new book, Les Miserables, was selling. And the exclamation mark was all that the publisher sent back. To Victor Hugo. Pretty simple, pretty clear, pretty effective. The letters of John were written by the Apostle John to actually encourage followers of Jesus to maintain and adhere to the truth. They're quite different though. As Meron said, this one is the shortest book. In the original Greek, it was simply 219 words long. 3 John is pretty brief. And unlike the others, and unlike most of the letters in the New Testament, it wasn't to a church. It was simply by John to a friend, Gaius, or some of you would pronounce Gaius. The first letter of John deals with our relationship with God somewhat. It affirms the surety of forgiveness in 1 John 1.9. It describes us as sons and daughters of God later on in uh, chapter 3. In contrast, 3 John says absolutely nothing about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship one with another. And when you first read 3 John, you might say, well, there's nothing much of great importance in this little letter. But actually, there really is. And it's very simple. And I had to read it more than once for it all to come out to me. This morning, I want to address three simple questions. What does the letter say? What's its core message? And so what's it got to do with us today in the 21st century? Let's just bow in prayer first. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. We do pray that uh, my words and our thoughts might be honouring to you. Father, speak to us, I pray. And may our, our words and our thoughts bring you honour. Amen. So, firstly, what does the letter say? There's five brief parts to the, work, to the letter and some of this is going to be a bit repetitive because of what Meron said. Firstly, he says, I love you. And he says he's praying for him, for good health and that all goes well with him. He starts out with love. Most of our letters will finish with love. In fact, oddly, most of the letters in the New Testament will start with love. They don't finish with love. They finish with a blessing or a greeting. So they turn it round. Secondly, John commends Gaius for being faithful in extending hospitality to the brothers and traveling evangelists and teachers. Thirdly, John condemns Diotrephes, a church leader, for being a self-seeking troublemaker. Fourthly, he indicates that Demetrius is a good guy, living faithfully. Very little said about him. And lastly, John extends peace to Gaius and says that he hopes to visit soon so they can talk face to face. The key part of this letter centres around the contrast between Gaius and Geotrophes. It involves John's Commending Gaius's behaviour and condemning Diotrephes's behaviour, and there could hardly be a more stark contrast. Gaius is living consistent with the truth; Diotrephes is not living out his truth in action, his commitment to the truth in action. It, from verse three onwards, we see that John is delighted that Gaius is faithful to the truth that he continues to walk in the truth what is truth you might ask Jesus said that I am the way, the truth and the life truth is that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God the truth is that Jesus came to save to offer forgiveness and new life to all who believe and choose faith in him The gospel of Christ is truth. In a world increasingly predisposed to think that you can have your truth and I can have my truth, John is here speaking of absolute truth. He is speaking of the truth of God and the truth from God. It is not, in the eye of the beholder, this truth. This truth is what John is delighted that Gaius is faithful to and he's disappointed that Diotrophus is not faithful to. In verses 5 through 8, we see that Gaius is showing his faithfulness to the truth by loving and being hospitable. being hospitable to the brothers and the sisters, visiting evangelists and visiting teachers. This is not the first time that John has spoken of the importance of hospitality. If you go back to 1 John 3, he says, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. I'm sure you're familiar with the fact that James wrote a fairly similar thing in his letter when he said faith without works is dead. Faith without works is not genuine faith because the lack of works reveals an untransformed life, a heart that's not yielded to God. Genuine faith will result in transformed life and it will result in works will be part of that. How we live reveals what we believe and whether the faith we profess is real. Gaius' faithfulness to the truth is not just an intellectual agreement, but it is demonstrated by the life of genuine, practical love. John is essentially saying that someone's commitment to the truth is not genuine if it is not manifest in love just like James was saying that your faith is not genuine unless it gives rise to works. In stark contrast, we go on to verses 9 and 10 of 3 John are about someone who's lost sight of the truth and is no longer living a life of love, Diotrephes, And unfortunately, he's a leader of the church and hence he's causing trouble for the church. Deiotrephes loves to be first, will not welcome the travelling brothers and sisters, is spreading malicious nonsense, and is even putting other believers out of the church. There could hardly be a more vivid contrast between two men and two characters' lives. To understand this contrast clearly, it's important to to, uh, appreciate that in the first couple of centuries after um, Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, the early church centuries, the gospel was actually spread by traveling uh, preachers and teachers, and these people depended on hospitality where they went. They didn't travel take a lot with them, and the custom was that believers in the towns they went to would offer them hospitality, and give them provisions for their onward journey. Gaius was following this practice, but Giotrephes was not. But what does hospitality really look like? What is it? Hospitality means extending a welcome to others, offering a home away from home. Hospitality involves sharing in a number of ways, you share your home, you share your family, and you share your friends. You welcome others into your relationships. You share your financial resources. You share your food, you share your space, you share your time. They're all aspects of hospitality. Having spent much of our life together, regularly moving from country to country, mel and I have had opportunity to receive and to extend hospitality over our years together. One of the most important examples of where we were recipients of hospitality happened 50 years ago this year. It was 50 years ago that we, had, we flew and left Australia for the first time and we went to Vancouver, Canada, for me to take up some postgraduate studies. And we were young, we were confident, we were naive. Yes, we were married. We had been married for a year and a half. But we were arriving early in the day, so we didn't bother booking accommodation in advance. But little did we know we were arriving in the busiest week of the year, in the middle of the Pacific National Exhibition. We spent the first half of the day looking for accommodation, but couldn't find any. It was all booked out. So then... Early afternoon, we said, oh, what are we gonna do? We remembered that we'd been given somebody's name and a phone number by the incoming International Student Center from the University of British Columbia. So we pulled out this information out and phoned them up to ask for a suggestion. What are we gonna do? They immediately welcomed us to Vancouver, and they said, well, we expect you to stay with us while you look for longer term accommodation. They were, a. that was hospitality, much needed by us. I trust that God has blessed them for this. We certainly were very grateful. We were strangers to them from the other side of the world. They knew nothing about us but our names, basically, and we were coming there, but they welcomed us and they gave us hospitality, which is what we needed. We've had opportunity to pass this on to others as we've moved from country to country in the 50 years since. Um, while we are in Bangladesh, we were fortunate enough to have a house. We were there for two years. We are fortunate enough to have a house that actually had a spare bedroom and a bathroom upstairs. And while we are there, we actually had visitors in that bedroom more than 20% of the time. And most of them were actually Australian Baptist missionaries from outside of Dhaka, who wanted a bit of respite from their village life. Uh, just to illustrate how, what sort of house we ran while we were there, one afternoon at five o'clock, I turned to our cook, whose name was Moten, and I said, Moten, how many will there be for dinner tonight? And he said, it's too early to tell, sir. <laughs> the night before, Mirror and I hadn't even been there for dinner, But he told us the next day that there were about seven or eight there for dinner. We didn't even know. John is not alone in highlighting the importance of hospitality, though. Peter wrote, in 1 Peter, offer hospitality to one another. Paul wrote, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And as Richard already highlighted this morning in Hebrews 13, reads, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some, in doing so, have actually entertained angels, unawares. But why are these writers, and why is John so concerned about hospitality? First, hospitality was important for the advancement of the gospel in that day, because the traveling evangelists and teachers needed hospitality. Second, hospitality is an important aspect of love and we are all called to love. And, and in this, it's very clear link, an inseparable link, that John draws between love, inaction and commitment to the truth. The word love actually appears 551 times in the NIV translation of the Bible. I didn't count them. I looked that up. But over 20% of these times were written by John. Either in his gospel or in his letters. And consider some of these quotes from John's Gospel, in chapter 13 he says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another, later on in the next verse he says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another moving on to chapters, to chapter 15 he says my command is this, love each other as I have loved you And in the same chapter, he says, this is my command, love each other. Lest you're tempted to think that John has a tendency to excessively focus on love in a somewhat unbalanced way, please note that every one of these four quotes are not John's words, they're all Jesus' words. John didn't make them up. In fact, Jesus spoke so strongly about love that he summarized the whole of the commandments in love. Love for God and love for one another. There couldn't be a much stronger highlighting of the importance of love. Paul may have written the most famous chapter on love in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, but John wrote about love more frequently than any other Bible writer or Bible author. So what does this connection between truth and love mean for us today? Or well, what, so what do we do about this as followers of Jesus in the 21st century? We are each faced with a choice regarding what do we, whether we want to emulate Gaius or whether we want to be more like Diotrephes, And it's a very stark choice. And I think, I hope, for each one of you, it's an easy choice. In telling Gaius not to imitate evil, but to imitate what is good, he's essentially, this is John essentially saying, that uh, you've done a good job, and people should be like you, not like Diotrephes, and it still stands today the instruction to us, do not imitate evil, imitate what is good, still stands. And um, we'd had to choose love rather than choose gossip and trouble and strife and exclusion and control. Well, Gaius is living out the gospel. The truth and walking in truth, it is clear that the is not. And please note that this, this instruction to love is not a suggestion, it's not an optional extra, it's Jesus' instruction, it's his commandment to love one another. However, and I'm sure that many of you are very familiar with this, what is it essential that we commit to living in a manner that reflects God's love for us. It's not easy for us to do it consistently and without falter. Unfortunately, we can't actually live this way in our own strength. And important though it is to make our own commitment. Please note though that love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, it's the first one. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Your commitment to Christ and your surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will generate the fruits of the Spirit in your life. First and foremost, that will be love. Put another way, the Holy Spirit will generate love, joy, peace, patience in your life if you choose faith and you embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, you don't have to do this on your own. God has offered help, thankfully. Otherwise, we'd all be in a bit of trouble trying to follow that instruction. Let me suggest a very simple four-part strategy. Firstly, choose faith in Christ and surrender to his Lordship. Second, commit to act lovingly day by day. Thirdly, ask for help from God and from the friends that you live life with. And fourthly, embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in your life for he will produce love in your life. Now, it it won't be perfect and it will be manifested as different actions by different people, but it will be love. The key takeaway from 3 John is very much the importance of hospitality shown by Gaius and the stark contrast between these two men, Gaius and Diotrephes. Hospitality is loving others. It is walking in truth, it is faith in action. It doesn't mean that Trent, next week when he comes back, will get a dozen invitations to lunch. Though some would probably be a good idea. It doesn't mean that Mark, who's visiting from um, Cambodia, will be inundated after the service with invitations. while he's in Australia and I I hope he does get some invitations he doesn't have any time to accommodate all of them but it does mean that each of us ought to take pause and just reflect on the Gaius factor our Gaius factor How how are each one of us showing love in action how are we showing and demonstrating our commitment to the truth may God bless you as you seek to be like Gaius being loving being loving offering hospitality and thus validating your commitment to the truth and for me as well